I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host, Imogen Edwards-Jones. Yeah. God Save the King. God Save the King, indeed. Indeed, indeed. We're doing a special God Save the King today. Yes. With Rebecca English, who's our brilliant royal editor. She was there. Uh, she was there for every marvellous gold-encrusted centimetre of it. <laughs> yes, she, so she saw him touch the ring. Yes, exactly. What I did love, actually, was the ring of power, yes. the cloak of invisibility. The stone of destiny. It was the full Harry Potter. It was the full Harry Potter. Yes. And also I loved the Princess of Wales dressed as a sort of Grecian goddess yes. with her flowers. I was a bit worried about the flowers in advance because mm. they did say she was going to wear flowers in her hair. And I thought she was going to turn up dressed as a sort of Timothée advert from the <laughs> 1970s. Thank God they were diamonds, because that would have been awful. I, don't, I think they were sequins, actually. Were they? I thought they were diamonds. No, I thought they were diamonds too. But then I read, because I have very little else to do, yes, it. that it was a handmade sequin-sewn thing. Wow, okay. Made by some... Very much not a tiara. Not a tiara. Made by a girl, I think her name is Jess Collett. okay. On the All Saints Road. Okay, well, she's got a lot of clients yeah. now, hasn't yes. she? And I don't normally like mother-daughter matchy-match things, but I did think that the little girl looked very sweet. Charlotte. Charlotte. That's right. <laughs> anyway, this past weekend, in case you missed it, <laughs> the world saw the coronation of King Charles III. Long live the king. Long live the king. Hurrah. Yes. Most watch the proceedings on their televox, but for a lucky few, the historic event was one that they got to attend in person. Our guest is one of those lucky few, Rebecca English, the royal editor for the Daily Mail. Rebecca, hello, how are you? Has your bladder recovered? <laughs> I have to say that was the biggest subject of uh, conversation. In really? Gabby was where are the toilets and when are we going to be able to use them? Because we had to be there from um, seven a.m. in the morning. I know. And obviously, it didn't start till eleven, and we weren't. You didn't have seat savers like at the Oscars. No, the Oscars have a seat saver. You had to turn up, didn't you? And then you had to be bussed, and then you had to be security Buffed. checked, and. <laughs> have an internal cavity search and then you were finally allowed in and then you, at which point you had to sit in a chair for four hours. Gosh. I had a great seat because I was actually sat next to said toilets. And oh. I had a bird's oh. eye view. My best moment was seeing Ant and Deck going to the toilet together, because obviously oh. they are never separated, but everyone cheering them. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was honestly, everyone was so excited to see them in the congregation that they were all clapping as they went. And they looked really embarrassed, could have had their heads down and were waving a little bit. <laughs> well, they looked actually really nervous. I can't remember which one it is, but one of them, Ant or Deck, I never know which is which, was doing a lot of sort of rather odd face gurning. I think it was really? Ant, yeah. The dance. Uh, My ex-husband, who was there, said it was brilliant because he sat behind Andrew Lloyd Webber and who then sang along to all of his hits. Oh, that's oh, good. Well, actually, Andrew Lloyd Webber was asked to produce something hummable. Did yes. you know that? Oh, is that right? Yes. So it was a hummable tune. Hummable tune. So obviously he was humming along to try and get everybody to hum along. I forgot what his tune was. What was his tune, Rebecca? I can't remember. Oh, gosh, I can't remember, but I have to say... Oh, what a jolly tune, I think yes. it was called. Oh, what a lovely king you yeah. are, no, King it was, Charles. It was, oh, what a jolly are. tune. Something like something that. Something like that. Yes. The music was amazing, I have to say, yes. especially being in there with that big vaulted ceiling and just hearing it just soaring through to the top of the abbey. I mean, the acoustics were just incredible. Was there a standout frock for you? Yeah. Do you know what? I've been asked this a lot. And aside from Penny Morden, for me, it was Princess Charlotte because I just thought she looked gorgeous. I mean, I don't normally like mums and daughters dressing the same. I don't like Mm. that kind of matchy mini me thing. But it was Mm. just this beautiful pared down version of what Mm. Kate was wearing. And I, I keep on saying to people this week, 
I think Princess Charlotte's going to be our Princess Anne Mark too. She's got that look when she looks at her brothers, like, behave. She's great and so composed for, like, an eight-year-old. I thought she was amazing. And she's also terribly pretty, isn't she? Oh, she's awfully pretty. But just going back to Penny Mordaunt, I have to say, it was quite an extraordinary performance. I did keep expecting her to just put the sword between her bosoms for extra support because her on bon point was amazing. I, I was sort of mesmerised by it. Well, I did message the news desk and say, because I think no one expected it, did they, how magnificent she would look. I did message the news desk and say that I think Penny Mordaunt is the equivalent of Pippa Middleton's bottom at William and Kate's <laughs> wedding for the coronation because it was just the unexpected standout star that nobody predicted. And she did not move a muscle. She didn't itch her nose. Well, she couldn't when she was holding that. Well, she would have had a bit of an accident if she <laughs> itched her nose with a sword like that, <laughs> I think. Sword. But apparently she worked out yeah, in order to do this. She part. worked on her guns, apparently. A lot of press-ups, she said. There was also Lieutenant, is he, I don't know what rank he is now. Mr. Hop, yes, Hop. John Thomas. Thompson. <laughs> the most handsome man in the world. The he's actually a really lovely man as well. He's great. And I thought he probably melted hearts because he was so good with the children. Oh, he was you brilliant. Know, brilliant with I mean, he's the a children. dad, I think, of two young kids. I feel awfully sorry for him because he's got lots of awful witchy female columnists like me going, oh, isn't he good looking? Oh, isn't he handsome? Oh, isn't he handsome? Oh, and I, I have to say, I know he's terribly embarrassed about well, <laughs> Good. He's got lovely uh, calves. Good. That's I shall I do say. it more then. <laughs> He's got uh, lovely calves. Have you seen his calves? I, I actually, do you know what? I haven't seen his calves. Oh, such a nice pair of legs. Oh, I see. can't tell you. Yes, his poor wife, that's all I can She's say. She's called Caroline, I think, isn't she? she? Why do you know his wife's name? Well, you know. <laughs> Are you stalking him? I was going to say, that's slightly obsessive, Sarah. <laughs> No, I tell you why I know his wife's name, because the readers have been emailing me, telling me off for writing about him and saying that his poor wife, Caroline, needs to be left alone. So I, that's why I know she's called Caroline. But he had a very responsible job. He had to undress the king. Yeah. Which she was, did brilliantly. Yes. He's awfully good at undressing, isn't he? <laughs> Era. Sorry. God, you, I, I, are I, um, you now writing yourself some sort of Jilly Cooper scene? <laughs> well, I mean, it was very funny because I think someone wrote that he looks like the product of if you gave some massive AI machine yes. the entire works of Jilly Cooper and then asked it to produce a sort of sex god. That's what you would get. Because <laughs> he's so phenomenally tall. Yeah, and I know. I know. God, I'm, honestly, yes, we should um, stop. Here, but let's talk. Let, no, no, come on, let's be more serious. Yeah, okay. So did you go to the concert the next day? I did. I was at the concert the next day as well. For once, I was Cinderella who went to every single ball on this occasion. So. Yeah, amazing. How incredible. What was it like actually in the concert? Because sound-wise, it was a bit hit and miss at Well, everyone was out of tune. I mean, no one could sing in they tune. They were a bit. Although I did, I like Katy Perry's sort of oh, yes. enormous... Ferrero Rocher dress that she was That's wearing. The That's the other after. thing. It's, I think my one criticism, which I, I have, is that... The colours were really bright. And I wondered whether the thing is, the last time we had a coronation, everything was in black and white. So maybe you do have all those bright, shiny colours. But that tabard that the king was wearing. You don't like that. Quality street very quality street, isn't it? I think probably a little bit shinier on the screen than it was in the flesh. I mean, it was very kind of elegant in the flesh. I have to say, going back to the coronation, the thing that actually brought a tear to my eye was seeing the king kind of knelt down, divested of all that kind of, fanciness mm. just in that simple shirt that belonged to his grandfather and you could see mm. his bare neck which i thought was incredibly vulnerable actually yeah and, human. Mm. Um, and then you heard this kind of echoes of zadok the priest kind of ring out yeah throughout the abbey and i have to say there's quite a few people around well he was white as a sheet right. when he arrived wasn't he I, white I, as a sheet i, I thought i thought that. he was actually going to pass out yeah. 
I was hoping he got a little slurp of wine when they went backstage because yeah. they went back to take Holy Communion, didn't they? And then they came out and they looked much and better. And had a bit of colour <laughs> in his cheeks. If I was even had slipped in an apple brandy at the same time. <laughs> I have to say, all of us who were there, who obviously, you know, see them kind of intimately every day, we all said we thought he looked very pale and, and mm. very stressed. But then I suppose you would do it something like that, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I think he was quite worried, wasn't he, that it might not go to plan. Yeah, and actually what he was wearing, you know, you forget he's a man of 74 and he's got, you know, prodigious energy, but the crown weighs six pounds, you've got the mantle, you've got the cloak, he's carrying a lot of gear with him as well, and mm. a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong. Yes, there was that slightly awkward moment when the Archbishop, who, by the way, I thought ruined the whole thing. I mean, honestly, that man just sounds like he's reading out a tax return. He makes the most <laughs> beautiful liturgies sound awful. When he sort of put the crown on the king's head and screwed it on <laughs> as though it were a light bulb. And then, he, yeah, he bent down to have a little look at it from yeah. each angle to make like almost like so, a kind of mannequin. Yeah. It's very bizarre. And I love the bit where he put it on Queen Camilla's head and you, you kind of saw a hand reaching up to really want to just back his off and go, yes. I can do it. Yes. And then just yes. pull out her fringe and do her flicks again. Yeah. You know, and you think, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> yeah, of course. And you spent all that time having your hair done and then someone's exactly. come along and plonks a great big crown on top exactly. of it. But I mean, I do think it went, all things considered, I think it went really well. I do think it was a success. And what was extraordinary was that all the things that people were worrying about, you know, Harry, Meghan being there, not being there, none of that sort of happened. It all sort of seemed to go off quite well. And I did love Harry being sat behind Anne's massive red plume. She was brilliant, though, wasn't she? Getting, leaving by the side door and then just riding back to Buckingham know, Palace how, on her how horse. Sort of she's so cool, isn't, isn't she? she? She's also 70-something. Yep, she's in her 70s as well. She gave a, an interview to a Canadian TV just before the coronation it was the one time I heard her kind of give a little kind of girlish giggle, which you don't normally get from her. Mm. And she said that when she was asked about would you like to, as this kind of ceremonial position she already has, ride behind the king's carriage. And she kind of gave this giggle and went, well, that sorted out my dress thing. You know, you could see she was like, oh, mm. God, I'm going to have to get dressed up and I don't really want to. Mm. And she's obviously just much more comfortable in jobless because mm. she kind of strode down that nave into the Abbey. I mean, talking about, you know, Jilly Cooper, like a kind of mm. Cooper heroine. Total mm. boss woman. I thought she looked amazing, but she always does. And how lonely and sad did Harry look walking in? Well, I was obviously very worried because his suit was very badly pressed. Of course, one of the problems about not being a royal, yes. working royal is you don't get a valet anymore. His suit did look terrible. Looked awful. Yes. Poor old Dior. They thought they were playing a blinder. Mm. They didn't reckon him having a kip on the way in the car. In no, his suit. It's a bit crumpled. <laughs> yes. Well, the trouble is everyone else was walking in couples and he wasn't, mm. so he did stand out like a sore thumb mm. and, you know, made a point of nodding to someone on the left and someone on the right, you know, that he recognised saying hello. But the atmosphere where he was... They didn't respond, horrendous. really, did yeah. they? Yeah. Well, what was it like? How did it play out in the church? He didn't focus on the screens, even in the Abbey, very much at all. But from what I little I could see, it was people kind of looking at him with curiosity rather than mm. kind of excitement and anticipation. And I think that shows you how much his profile has changed in this country over recent years. But, you know, that, that's of his own doing. But I, I think a lot of it's to do with the Queen dying because I think she was very generous towards him. Mm. And I think with her gone, I think the sort of balance of power has shifted. And, of course, the person he's really annoyed is William, who is not a good person to annoy in the current structure of the royal no, family, is yes. it? Because, I mean, he's going to be the next guy, so. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, you could see from what was going on in the Abbey, you know, people were making polite small talk, but it was awkward. I mean, it just even with the family members you get on with, like the Eugenies and the Beatrices, mm. they're conscious that other people are looking at them as well. Mm. So, you know, there's two schools of thought that he probably did the right thing and came and showed his face so he could say he did it. There's other people who think he had real chutzpah in showing his face at all considering what he said about his family. I think you, mm. you pays your money and he takes your choice on that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think he did the right thing by coming. I think it would have been... I think it would be appalling if he hadn't really come awful and really such come. a cowardly... But I just sort of wish he'd stayed and actually... Made an effort. ...participated a bit in the rest of it, yeah. yes. But I think the worry is that the sort of breakdown of trust is mm. so huge. Because he's still got two books to crank out, hasn't yeah, he? Exactly. So no one never knows where the next bit of tittle-tattle or gossip is going to come from, whether it's somebody saying something silly in the church or whether, they, you know, someone saying something, making a mistake at some point. It's almost like he's he feels like he's a sort of coiled cobra waiting mm. to strike and hear, make, find some someone making some sort of mistake somewhere. Well, and you say so, like, oh, it would be nice if he'd stayed, but, like, how could anyone have a relaxed conversation around mm. him given the the level of detail about really intimate mm. family matters he went to in his book. I mean, I was very used to be of the opinion he shouldn't come, should release a really nice warm statement to his father, wishing him well mm. and just stay away. But actually, I, I've come around to the fact that he probably did do the right thing by showing his face, however uncomfortable it was for everyone. Well, I think it was quite brave of him. I think it was. I do think so. It's slightly tiny, little teeny, tiny, weeny bit. <laughs> deemed him in my estimation but the thing is I think his problem now is that he sort of has nowhere to go mm. because his USP and his currency is being a member of the royal family and what we saw at the coronation was how quickly the waters are closed over him yes and how much he is not really a part of the royal family anymore and that's going to be quite damaging to his brand I think well I mean the projects he and Megan have done so far you know have been undeniably hugely successful and probably very lucrative for them in terms of mm. Netflix and the book. But as you say, they're all based on their time as a member of the royal family. And mm. if they keep on doing that, it's going to become a bit end of the peer show, I think. You know, Well, I, I mean, you're completely right. I mean, they're just going to drain the well dry and then there'll be nothing. They'll be sitting mm. at the bottom, scrabbling around, trying to find little bits of, you know, little puddles of interest to talk about. They have let kind of it be known through some of the kind of journalists they favour with their announcements that this was their look back projects done and now it's all about looking forward. Mm. Which to watch wrong. though, well, Rebecca, exactly, to watch. Exactly. <laughs> I presume this kind of unique and innovative programme making they're going to make, but, you know, they're going to have to come up with a lot to make the kind of mega deals that they've struck. But also I think the real problem is that because of the lack of trust with him and the family, there's also a lack of trust with Hollywood. I mean, the sort of betrayal of sort of trust that when they talked about with taking magic mushrooms at Courtney Cox's house. Yeah. You know, Courtney Cox is never going to have them back. That's no. for certain. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, what goes on tour stays on tour, that you're part of a gang and you might have too many tequilas too much one night and, you know, somebody might do something stupid like spin the bottle or whatever. But it's all Chatham House rules and no one talks exactly. about it. Exactly. But, you know, you can't have them over because you never know what they're going to put in their next book. And they clearly are scraping the barrel if they're going to write mm. about getting drunk at somebody else's house. I mean, it's pathetic. And the royal family rely on people with 
discretion around them. And you'll always get you know, leaks here and there. That kind of thing happens because people inevitably gossip. But on the whole, because they tend to treat their staff well, because they know they're not massively paid well compared to what they could earn outside of the royal household. They work long hours, but they do it mm. because they love the people they work for and they take great pride in the institution, the monarchy. You know, on the whole, because they treat those people well, they don't tend to talk like this. You know, what Harry did, I think sometimes people underestimate how much of an explosive decision it was for him to have said what he said and have done what he's done. So trust, you know, as they say, is, you know, is hard won and easily lost. And oh, completely. He has lost the trust of everybody around him, not just the family, but including the people that work there and the people that used to work for him. The invitations don't seem to be coming their way. There was no glamorous Met Ball appearance. No. There was no Oscars appearance. No. You'd have thought she might have been hoiked on stage for at least giving away Best Cinematographer on the short film. Mm. They might have No, I mean, that's the thing. I was surprised role. that she wasn't at the Met Gala. And, you know, she wasn't at Oprah's party. No. They're not getting invitations. She's not getting a lot of exposure. I can't imagine. What them. is she doing apart from doing running? <laughs> and there was that photograph of her doing some running, which is obviously very clever. I can't run at all. So no, you I'm can't. always in awe of people who can run. <laughs> I think she was just walking. Well, she's just fast walking. She was just putting one foot in front okay, of the other, yeah. which I think even most of us can manage that. <laughs> I mean, I ask, Paul, I, I actually pity every American I meet because every American I meet, I ask them, what do you think of Harry and Meghan? You know, what's your view? Because, I mean, it's only very anecdotal, but most of them seem pretty disinterested to be honest i mean there must be a market because people buy the book and have watched netflix but i wonder how much of that is rubbernecking Mm. and how much of that will actually translate to a fan base they can take with them i don't know i think the trouble is i just don't think they've really thought this through I can't really see what the plan is. I don't really well, understand what's, what's what the long-term is that plan it, is. Is if you read all the conspiracy theories on the internet, which I do, yeah, because <laughs> I'm supposed to be at home working, but actually I'm mainly doing that. She apparently had a plan, right? So there's lots of sort of dot com things, okay. princesslilibert.com, princearchie.com, all these things that she's registered. Okay, so she's got a sort of Beyonce style plan. Well, I don't know, but then the plan doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. No. I mean, I do feel quite sorry for their two little children because actually their place in history has been slightly denied them, don't you see, yeah. Rebecca? Yes, and also their place within the family. I mean, I know how much pleasure my parents get out of their grandchildren. And I know my parents would put up with a lot in order not to lose that relationship with their Mm. children. And there just seems to be no contact between Archie and Lilibet and and their family in the UK, which is just a real, real shame. What's your sense of how Charles is going to handle that? Do you think he will reach out to Harry and try and make some sort of family rapprochement, not kind of institutional rapprochement, but just on a family basis? Because he's taken away Frogmore, hasn't he? Yes. I mean, I think he's quite good or they're quite good at, you know, making those kind of business decisions and putting those one to one side as, you know, from their family relations. I know he is remarkably tolerant. I mean, he's been angered by what's happened. He hasn't read the book. I know that for a fact, but there's obviously been appraised of everything that's in it. But at the end of the day, this is his son. And, you know, despite what Mm. he's put him through, he does love him. So I think that out of anybody within the family, the king would be more willing Mm. to try and rebuild that relationship. 
Do you think that William is not really in that space? I mean, no. gosh, I took my two children out for dinner the other night and they <laughs> honestly, they tore chunks out of each other. I mean, Today. siblings don't get on anyway. I mean, honestly, it was mm. like, it was full on warfare. I mean, you would have thought they would be united by the same background. It's a, quite a rarefied upbringing that they've had and they the fact they both well, they lost both, their but, mother. But, and... but don't you think they've both responded in opposite ways to it? Entirely. Don't yeah. you think, Rebecca? Absolutely. I mean, William's actually very, very discreet as well, incredibly yeah. discreet. And he really doesn't like talking about his emotions and his feelings in that way or his, you know, for example, his mother. When there's been a really big anniversary, he will do it. But otherwise, hmm. he just prefers to let what he's doing do the talking. And what Harry's done is just an anathema to him. He's very hurt. He's very angry. I mean, a few years ago, people I know who know both brothers were saying to me, I can't imagine a time, this was post-Oprah, that they will not find a way to make it up. It might not be quite the same again, but they've Mm. been through so much. They've shared such a unique bond over the years. I can't believe there wouldn't be a way for them to make it up. And Mm. certainly those people are not saying that now. I think doing that Netflix and particularly the book has Mm. really been a step too far. It is very weird that once something is broken, and it really is broken, it Mm. can be almost impossible to pick up the pieces with something that's been so vandalised. I I think the thing about William is that he decided to deal with his loss, trauma, which is the same as Harry's, basically, Mm. in a very different way. He decided to sort of be quite forgiving and understanding. And also, I think... Catherine has been completely, the Princess of Wales is absolutely pivotal to all of this because she dials everything down, doesn't she, Rebecca? She's a sort of calm port in a storm, Mm. whereas Harry's wife, Meghan, tends to sort of go the other way. She sort of dials everything up. It all becomes a massive drama. It's funny you say this. I'm actually writing a feature, which will hopefully be for the mail this weekend, But about the kind of women of Windsor, both kind of, you know, front and behind the scenes. And one of the things I was talking about with someone today is that how women might not wield the power, but they certainly wield the influence in the Mm. family. They're the ones that iron out the wrinkles. And someone was saying to me, you know, in their family, it's not just a question of kind of patching things up so people can just be friendly when they sit down at Christmas. You know, this is an institution, Mm. it's the head of state. There is so much more pressure on it than just being able to share, a you know, a turkey at Christmas without Mm. without arguing. Or like you say, Sarah, going out for dinner with your kids and, you know, then bickering. There is so much more at stake at this. And William has developed, I think, over the years, a huge sense of, I suppose, respect for what his grandmother did and what his father Mm. has done in his own way. Mm. And that it's not just those kind of, the spite that was in Harry's book, the kind of the nitpicking, the moaning about who's got the best rooms, you know, Mm. quite nasty comments about his brother losing his Mm. hair and looks. It's more than that. What he's done has actually, if you see some of the opinion polls, damage this institution and the monarchy which they're doing so hard to protect and that for him is very unforgivable as well i mean diana had a bit of this as well she liked to escalate didn't she Mm. i think harry takes after her in that respect whereas i think william just likes to de-escalate difficult situations that's really just a question of personality i mean it's interesting that apart from andrew the duke and duchess of sussex are the least popular members of the british royal family now It's interesting you mentioned Diana because we were having a discussion about this the other day with a colleague in the office, Richard Eden, and he was saying if she'd been alive, would she have been at the coronation? And Richard was saying, 
I don't think she would be. And I said, well, I disagree. I think she would because actually I think they would have found a way once everything had died down to just get on with their lives and co-parent as best as they can and just move forward a bit like the Mm. way Queen Camilla had her ex-husband, Andrew Mm. Parker Bowles, at this thing. They would have settled down. So maybe there is a chance that it could settle Mm. down in the future. I think Harry's pressed a nuclear button more so than he has. He has. And also particularly the stuff that he said about Queen Camilla. I've met her a few times and she's just a very nice, jolly, slow. You love her. I love her. She's just, you know, she's very sort of... She, she she's like, likes a gin and a, gl- and, and a cigarette, or not a cigarette anymore. No, she doesn't like a woodbine. <laughs> no, that was a joke. A Chesterfield. That was, a, that was that wonderful joke by Giles Brandreth of meeting her when she was a teenager smoking woodbine behind the bike sheds and wishing at her parents' house. And she admonished him and said, oh, I definitely was, was having a smoke behind the, behind the shed, but it wasn't a woodbine. It wasn't Giles. a woodbine. <laughs> exactly. It's probably a Sloan cut. And I, think, and I love her sort of feather cut, and I loved her ladies in waiting. Annabelle Ben Elliot's mother, Annabelle Elliot. Oh, is that who they That's were? That's who they were. And, and Lady the other lady. Yeah. They're fabulous. I mean, they honestly, those three at a party, it'd be rocking. Yes, they look like they like a glass. And that's the other thing is that you sense with Camilla that there's a lot of fun and mischief there. She's good company. You'd be delighted to sit next to her at supper, whereas you probably wouldn't be that delighted to sit next to Megan because you'd probably say something wrong. No, probably. And she'd be awfully cross with you and yes. you'd, you'd get a sort of... I've been be drinking lucky. water anyway and be yes. on a special fast. Yes. I've been lucky enough to interview um, the Queen a few times and there's a bit of a running joke because the first time I ever did a proper interview with her, she said to me, you know, please don't put this in the piece, would you mind if I kick my shoes off? Like she'd been up <laughs> shaking hands the whole time. And... Someone had got us, we were at some big army headquarters and someone had got us a a drink each. And I had a Diet Coke because I'm permanently on a diet and she had a full fat Coke. And I said, oh, God, you're a full fat lady, are you? And she kind of laughed. Oh, God, I'm not having any of that diet rubbish. She said, the best thing is to have what you want, but in moderation. Mm. You know, a little bit of what you like does you good. And I think that's Mm. kind of a metaphor for life really Mm. is don't worry about everything. It'll all be fine. Less said, sooner mended. Have what you want. Yeah. With moderation, get on with it. I mean, there was a bit of a sort of wobble about her being queen, mm. wasn't there? And I've noticed that online there's a lot of very unpleasant stuff about her. I do feel a little bit sorry for mm. her on that respect. It did look quite odd, her in a crown, I have to say. It was quite perfunctory, I thought, though. But it was also well, it was sort of perched. It didn't sit very well with the winged hair. Someone needed to push it down a bit more. <laughs> Look like if she leant forward, it might just cascade. I mean, off I the always balcony. got the I always very much got the impression that she wasn't particularly bothered about it, but that he desperately wanted her to be recognised. Is yes. that right, Rebecca, or am I sort of making that? No, up? no. I mean, there's, that's certainly definitely the feeling I've always had over the years. I mean, someone once described it to me as saying, if you were to get married and someone said you couldn't be Mrs. So and So, how would you feel? And I said, well, I've always kept my maiden name, so you're, you know, mm. you're, you're asking the wrong person. But mm. actually, yes, there's a lot of women that would happily want to be Mrs. and, and take their husband's surname. Mm. And he's old school, and that was important to him. And the irony is, whatever they chose to call her, whether it was Princess Consort, Queen Consort, she still would have been Queen Camilla. And I think it was just important for him to, to mm. recognise that. And I've always got the impression from her, not you know directly, but from what I hear from the people around her, that her attitude is that she wants to be with the man that she loves. And if that's part and parcel of it, then so be it. And she does actually have great respect for the institution of the monarchy. You will never hear her 
say anything less than His Majesty or His, yeah. His Royal Highness. She's incredibly respectful of him and they're really yeah. good together they laugh yeah, they are they, la- they are very they, good together they laugh and you forget how important that is when they're on their jobs they giggle they laugh and you know she lightens him up quite a lot i they did just- quite enjoy her the loose lineup of her relatives oh, they the are fabulously row. loose yes <laughs> the loose lineup at the front <laughs> they look like they just escaped from aspinals yeah, from a night of, exactly. of hard they gambling smell, like they smell of a wine bar and I, sitting at the front row it's very funny yes and i also loved zara phillips falling asleep because she'd been out till 2 a.m the night mouth slightly open <laughs> yes i think that, that makes it more entertaining i mean obviously princess catherine did steal the show i thought she looked she magnificent yeah. yeah and charles and camilla have gone off on a sort of honeymoon now haven't have they, they? They must well, it's be not really, it's not an official honeymoon, but in the same way that it wasn't actually their wedding, although it was really yeah. in truth. I'm, they're I'm off, knackered. They're they off, must be knackered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they're off at Sandringham for a few days, aren't they, Rebecca? They are. They're taking it a few days out. I mean, it's been, and I certainly know for the king, he has been all over every aspect of this coronation, like a rash from the music mm. to positioning to every word that's been chosen. I mean, his job never lets up. He has those red boxes of state, mm. very much like his mother did, every day of the year bar Christmas. He still works on his birthday. I know he's a workaholic. It's something his wife has often said to me, you know, that's all he wants to do is, is work. Mm. He's a complex man, but he's a he really genuinely wants to do what's best for the country. So he will be working while he's there, but Sandringham's a lovely place. They can go for long walks, take the dogs. I mean, I think they'll be off until the eighth, probably the beginning of next week, and then they're mm. back doing engagements again. And the new slimmed-down monarchy, I mean, we can't afford to lose anyone, can we? Not really, no. It's quite tight, don't you (laughs) think? Yes, not much room for manoeuvre. Well, I think that was so well demonstrated, wasn't it, in that amazing portrait that was released, the first official portraits, including a group, and I wrote in in the mail the next day that... It just shows you when the King was talking about a slimmed-down monarchy, that was kind of pre-Andrew and Harry and Meghan's departure. And I made the point in what I wrote that apart from William and Kate, who are 40 and 41, and Sophie and Edward, who are 58 and 59, Mm. everybody in that picture was in their 70s or 80s. That's quite Um, worrying, isn't it? And it shows you that when we're talking about slim-down monarchy, we can't slim it down too much because... We, the public, still expect to see them out and about doing those engagements, mm. cutting those red ribbons, going to hospices, going to hospitals. And the monarchy needs to be visible and needs to be seen and to be believed to survive. Mm. Do you think that sort of the fact that obviously some of them are going to pop off quite soon, to put it politely, <laughs> do you think that leaves the door open for Harry and Meghan if they do want to come back? Or do you think that they would prefer to do the Tyndalls or the Eugenies or someone else. But I don't think they want it. That's the thing. And Mm. it's it's a bit like the talk of opinion polls and talk amongst people. Well, why doesn't the crown move from just trait from Queen Elizabeth II to Prince of Wales, Prince William? But they Mm. forget that actually he doesn't want that yet. He's got three young children who are under the age of 10. He wants to give them time to grow up without that mm. kind of pressure on their shoulders. So I think people forget what they want in, in mind. And he also respects the hereditary principle because if you start picking and choosing, it kind of mm-hmm. makes mockery of everything, doesn't it? I may as well go straight to George. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, joking. Well, no, but I mean, 
think in ancient French times, there were a lot of boy princes, weren't there? Yes, there were. There were endless dauphins. Exactly. Do you think there's any way back for Harry and Meghan? Well, I don't know. I just think maybe in five years' time when they've run out of road, you know, the children are getting on a bit and they're probably, I mean, will they send them back to England to go to school? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll send them to English boarding schools. Who knows? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, who knows? Personally, I I genuinely don't think Meghan wants to come back to the UK at all. Mm. I think she likes her life in, yeah, ever, seriously, ever. I Mm. would be very surprised that, that she would spend any lengthy time here at all and I I mean again two years ago people were saying to me look we could see a time where if things calm down post Oprah they could come back as working royals and those people aren't saying that now I have to say well only time will tell I can't wait to read your piece at the weekend yes, Rebecca, exactly. the, which is the, going, obviously going to be in the newspaper the wins are women <laughs> the wins are women well done you should go and have a lie down yes, too yes exactly have a cream tea and relax <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Rebecca. Not at all. Lovely to talk to you. Bye. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Fine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 